Hey guys, it's Danielle here, and you're listening to the Unbranded Lifestyle Podcast, the podcast for all things lifestyle, wellness, and business. So grab yourself a coffee, get comfortable, and join the conversation. Today's episode is on mental health awareness, and you're listening to episode one, part two. I want to talk a little bit about this topic because um, the topic of suicide, because it's been this really rave. There's this raving show on Netflix called Thirteen Reasons Why, and um, I don't know. I had some moments where I just felt kind of disturbed by it, mostly because I think growing up, like I had friends who were. Um, who were either suicidal or I knew somebody who was harassed or uh, was raped and this show really depicts a lot of those in very graphic um, images so I don't know if you've seen it or if you've uh, been reading up on it but what's your take on this and do you have any sort of a perspective on whether this show is benefiting the public or is it more of the opposite? That's a challenging question to answer directly. (laughs) Um, I personally haven't seen it, and that's the honest truth. Uh, I have colleagues that have seen it and have their opinions about it. Um, I have looked it up and I have looked at information only because in the last month, um, in my practice and in my scope of work, I have noticed an increase in suicidality. Mm. and higher risk individuals and also completed suicide so it is a topic that is important to discuss I don't think it's a topic that is as heavy as it is now at least the pattern that I'm noticing and in part it could be because of media Um, would I evaluate the show as being good or bad I don't think it's fair for the show to be evaluated in such a way only because I think in society a lot of things happen that have both pros and cons to it. It's a matter of how do we as individuals respond to that. And I would also say how does the general population respond to it as a whole. This show, whether it was meant to show an air or not, it doesn't matter because it's now here mm-hmm. and people are watching it yeah. and I think people need to be aware that a show like this it's not a soap that you watch on TV it is not friends it is not a modern family like you don't <laughs> sit and you watch this and you enjoy this is a topic that touches many and you should not watch it alone This isn't meant for somebody to sit and watch alone. This is meant to open a discussion. Mm -hmm. This is meant to be watched with people. Do you think someone who's uh, maybe they've had a past of wanting to suicide, somebody who's had more of like a weaker stomach or something like this, if they had like a particular past or if they've gone through depression, that watching this would not be advised or you think it's still a good idea to watch it if you have some sort of supervision? A show like this opens dialogue. It allows a lot of conversation to happen. Only if the person is ready to talk about it. Otherwise, what you're doing is you're re-traumatizing mm-hmm. the person. 
if, if you know you're not ready to review this because it's too close to home, then I would actually say use this as a conversation starter. Let those around you, if you are invited to watch with them, to say, you know, this does hit close to home and I don't feel comfortable watching it. And don't. We don't need to subject ourselves to situations, images, stories, narratives that dig up something that we're not ready or prepared to encounter. Mm-hmm. However, does this open dialogue? Absolutely, yes. It has opened a lot of dialogue. I noticed on the internet whenever I searched the show uh, and what people have been saying about it on YouTube, on various social media channels, there's just a ton of talk about it. And I really like the fact that people are more open about talking about the suicidal topic. But at the same time, I've been reading up on uh, some people, they received it really well and in terms of it brought a lot of awareness. Some people, they received it in more of a negative way where it's like, then this is totally, this is like totally damaging for people um, who are going through something similar because it can, like you say, um, you've been experiencing a lot more uh, people, like uh, people have been, there's been an increase in those who want to suicide from the calls that you've been getting. So I do see two sides of it. And then at the same time, it's really interesting how some people who were suicidal and then they saw the show, they realized that they don't want to suicide. There's multiple different angles when it comes to the topic of suicide. I don't believe a show can make people suicidal. Mm -hmm. But I do believe this show can make things more difficult like I say some people are not ready to encounter that yet and here it is in front of them thrust in front of their face and they have to deal with it it opens up dialogue but what kind of dialogue is it opening Mm -hmm. because now you have people talking about suicide about that's the key word here it's about it it's outside of me. I'm not engaged with it. It's just a topic. It's just another thing I talk about. Just like a sports car on the street. I talk about a Ferrari. I talk about a Porsche. But what about those around you? Did you talk and participate in it? In the sense that, how are you involved? Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you actually a part of this movement where you're bringing awareness and you're saying that I am supportive i'm open for this dialogue come talk to me if you are suicidal come talk to me if you have dark thoughts come talk to me if you think about dying come talk to me when you say i don't want to wake up in the morning come talk to me when i have thoughts of wouldn't it be so nice if i just cover my head and today just never happens all of that are suicidal thoughts do you believe that we could talk about these things with our friends or this is something we should bring to a professional to talk about you can talk about it with your friends. Absolutely, you should talk about it with your friends. Mm-hmm. Professionals are professionals. Yes, we have ways of helping a person adjust, adapt. We have ways of helping them move forward in their life. But guess what? Your friend knows you more than anybody else. Your family has been with you 24-7 for a long portion of your life. They know you. And so talking with them gives you a realization of where are you? 
So let's say we have a friend or a close family member bring up this subject or um, you know, or we have the sense that they're not doing so well and you know, if they are suicidal, like how can we as peers or friends uh, support them and make sure they don't go and take this route? Or what can we do as individuals to just support this person? Like what are the steps if you find out that one of your friends are like suicidal? Step one, don't be scared. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people hear the word suicide and they're terrified about it. They're so terrified that they don't know what to do. Because they don't want to... I would sense that it would be freaky to be responsible for one of your friend's death. Because what if... Mm -hmm. I guess my thinking is what if I make the wrong move and I was the one that caused them to, you know, just jump over the edge. If your heart is in the right place, you're going to do the right thing. Because you're not going to say something that will trigger them. Mm-hmm. I imagine that most people wouldn't. Some people don't know what to do. So their coping strategy is to become defensive, is to become aggressive, you know, using their own frustration or their own fear, and this is how they deal with frustration and fear. Well, if you know this about yourself, take a step back, because now you're scared and you're terrified, and you have to be honest. I'm scared. I'm terrified. When you tell me this, I don't know what to do. But you know what? You and I together, we can get something done. So step two, actually doing the motion of inviting the conversation. You might not know what to do. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what to do. Just because I'm a counselor doesn't make me any better than anybody else who knows what to do. We have assessment tools. That does not save a life. Mm-hmm. Assessment tools on the piece of paper, they check boxes. But we are willing to walk the journey we are willing to invite the conversation. We're not terrified about it. So don't be scared. And then step two is to invite the conversation. Invite the conversation. Okay. To ask, right? If you know, so let's say you're terrified and you don't know what to do. You let them know. What you shared with me right now, I'm actually terrified. But I'm thinking you're just as scared as I am too. So why don't together we figure out something? Let me help you get some help. Right? Mm-hmm. This is where you start reaching out to people. I don't know where. Let me call so-and-so. Let me, let me ask somebody else. As you start asking more and more people, I'm sure somebody you could come across that will have some information to say, you know what? Maybe you should go to this, this place. Maybe you should talk to so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, let's say you've bypassed the fear. You have no fear. You're able to say, you know what? I'm not afraid of this topic. Then we skip step two and we jump to step three ask the questions. Have you thought about hurting yourself? Mm-hmm. A person may say, well, what do you mean hurting myself? Anything. Have you thought about hurting yourself? Period. Yes or no? It's very simple. And if they say yes, then you go, okay, well, now I'm curious. What does hurting yourself look like? Does hurting myself mean I'm cutting? Hurting myself meaning I'm smacking rubber bands against my wrist? Hurting myself as in I'm drinking? Hurting myself as in banging my head against the wall? Slapping myself? Like, what does hurting myself mean? Mm-hmm. Once you know that, then you ask the next question. You're asking, do you want to kill yourself? That's a hard question to ask someone. That is a hard question to ask, but you've already layered it all. Do you want to hurt yourself? Yes. 
How are you going to hurt yourself? I'm going to do this, this, and that. Okay, well, based on the first two questions, now you have a perfect opportunity for you to ask. So, you know, I'm worried about you now. When you tell me you want to hurt yourself, when you tell me that you're going to do this to do it, I'm wondering, have you thought about killing yourself too? Now, I can tell you right off the bat, anybody who is not suicidal or thinking about they want to kill themselves, they will immediately say, no, 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 not like that. Absolutely not. Are you insane killing myself? Great. You have your answer. Take a breath. That's your step four. Take a breath. Okay. If they say yes, take a breath. Yeah. That's step four. (laughs) Take a breath. Because you now have an answer and now you have to do something. If they say no, that's a good time for you to suggest. I think you need to talk to a professional. I think you need to connect with somebody because those are some really dark thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how often they come. And maybe someone can help you through them. Something is happening that's making you have those thoughts. Nobody just randomly wished that they did not wake up in the morning. The no route, step five, would be... Tell them to go get some professional help. Continue to support them. Listen, talk, chat, Mm -hmm. coffee time. Step six, follow up. Did you actually talk to somebody to help you? Did you actually follow through with it? What's the barrier? What stopped you? Maybe they felt better after talking to you and they don't feel like they need it. That's fine. Recognize that. Empower them. Don't shame them like, oh my god, you didn't get help. You should be getting help. Why aren't you getting Mm. help? No. That would be a very big no-no. They felt good talking to you and they found their own tools. Empower them. Ask them, so what did you do? How did you make yourself feel better? You know, what changed? Because their life is actually moving forward. What if my friend said, yes, Mm -hmm. I do want to kill myself? Mm -hmm. Now, the steps with that one is very, very quick. It's not as hard as the no, but I'm low. Mm -hmm. The yes, it means that now you have some quick questions to ask around a couple of topics. One is, is there an actual plan? Plan includes the how and the when. And maybe the where, depending on what the plan is. Then you ask from the how, what are the materials? Sometimes you already know what the materials are because with their how, they already told you what they're about to do. Mm -hmm. So you already know, okay, they need certain items that they have to get. So or they already have all the details of their plan not necessarily all the details you just have to know what the details are mm-hmm. because as a person who now got the yes we have to do a little bit of that prevention piece right to mm-hmm. make sure that they're not going to do it at least for the next 24 hours they're not going to do it right so you need to take that stuff from them or find a way of securing it Those ones are the two main things. And the third thing that you need to find out is how strong is that intent of wanting to kill themselves? Mm -hmm. Is it really powerful? Like they can't shake it. It's always constantly there. And it's not a matter of if they'll do it. It's a matter of when they'll do it. Because if you have those pieces, it's very simple. You need to take them to the hospital. They will say, no, 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 I'm fine. No, 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 I'm fine. You must insist. Do you... Well, you must insist. So you just take them there? Yes. Okay. In whatever means necessary. Oh, right. Right? This means sometimes you have to call 911. Mm-hmm. It may mean that the police have to come knocking on the door. 
it may mean that you have to encounter this whole drama of them being taken. But you have to recognize is that when the intent is there, when there is a plan, when the person has the way of doing it, it really is not a matter of if. It is really a matter of when. And a person at that time can tell you, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then tomorrow they get overwhelmed and they do it. Okay, I see. Because mm-hmm. the intent is very powerful. And mm-hmm. we can't control that intent because... In my motto, if there is a will, there is a way. And when you have the intent, the will is there. And the will isn't towards life. It is towards death. Mm-hmm. That means they will find a way to do it. So we must minimize those ways. Like in Vancouver, I know that we all have, or in BC, we all have some sort of funding for mental wellness for um, mental health services but I'm not even sure if many people know how to take advantage of that provided that you know their workplace gives it to them or you know how do we even maximize that and do people even usually know about it and if they do then what's the best way to make use of that yeah that's a very good question because a lot of consumers do not know that they have this so first of all let's talk about the free stuff So the free stuff, every community have community resources that you can access. It's all self-referred. One type of resource that can come to the top of my head is the Greater, the Family Services of Greater Vancouver. They have uh, locations throughout all of Lower Mainland. It's a very short-term program, just like all the other free services, but it's government-funded, and it's for usually low-income families um, to access mental health support for free. And you work with either uh, registered clinicians or supervised students that are aspiring to become clinicians. Then we talk about company-funded. So. If you're working with a corporation, usually the bigger ones, a lot of the smaller ones now have adopted this model as well. They're called the Employee Family Assistance Program or the Employee Assistance Program. The acronym most of us may have heard is EFAP mm-hmm. or EAP. Those ones are again short-term type therapy where it's geared towards um, getting you over the hump. And it's available. now. Depending on your contract, some of them are longer, some of them are shorter, some of them have no expiry date, no end date, and some of them do. So you need to know your program and access it Mm -hmm. because a lot of people benefit from that. For a lot of companies, I describe it as chunk counseling. You have one particular issue, chunk a bunch of sessions around it, and then you get it resolved. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about how do we prevent, how do we resolve, and not talk about death as a solution right and so EAP does a lot of that and it's amazing work now like any other uh, searching for resources and counselors you might not encounter the very first one as the perfect match test water try it out EAP allows you to do that community-based resources might not because that's the agency that's who they have that's who's available so you're limited Mm-hmm. EAP, it's paid people. These people earn their salary or earn their session from the employee assistance program. That means there's a network of people. Mm-hmm. So test it out. 
this person you sat down yeah they're very very nice but you didn't get what you're looking for I would suggest you talk to them and let the counselor know hey your method doesn't work it didn't jive I'm looking for something else I'm hoping that I can do this let the counselor have that opportunity to let you know I hear what you're looking for that's not what I do but you know what I know who does and they're part of the network mm-hmm. ask for this person instead or have the counselor help you coordinate the language so that when you call in for the intake they can actually match you up more succinctly to what you're looking for mm-hmm. maybe you don't know maybe you are not able to communicate that to the counselor maybe That's you don't fine. know what you really need so you need someone to help guide for sure. you in that direction and maybe it's embarrassing to tell the counselor that they're not a good, doing a good job maybe <laughs> you're not in that you know your personality goes I don't want to confront that that's fine you don't have to counselors that work in EUP we all know that clients move around clients change counselors not maybe not something that we didn't maybe it's just we're not a good fit so call back in and change it's provided by your company you've already paid for it in your benefits so understand your plan and use it Mm -hmm. right and don't feel bad and if the counselor is not up to par really they've done something that really made you feel uncomfortable you need to give feedback back to the company that's how they screen us that's how they regulate us and I recommend anybody who's listening and have EAP to really take that to heart positive feedback negative feedback give the feedback because that's how clinicians like our, like myself get the coaching Mm-hmm. We learn from these mistakes. We learn from the fact that, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Or we learn from the fact that, oh, maybe I shouldn't have used that approach or that pro- approach was too intense or how do I couch it? We all have clinical managers that we look after us under EAP anyway. So utilize that service, right? Mm-hmm. So now let's move into a little bit more towards the funding side. Well, yeah, the funding side. Are people even making use of what's available, or would you say most people aren't really using it? Well, most people aren't using it, I can tell you that. (laughs) Because anybody who don't have EAP usually have extended medical. Mm -hmm. And extended medical, you need to know your plan again. Different insurance company covers different type of professional providers. Because I know for a fact that, like, most people would make use of their... um, you know what they get from work is like what covers like eye exams or dental and other things but mental well, health is something no one really talks about going out to get well because of how they word it right the mm-hmm. stigma comes up mm-hmm. what we talked about earlier right how it's listed is psychological services is that how so, it's listed so you yeah that's oh. how most in companies listed is psychological services that doesn't seem very attractive <laughs> i mean i don't i don't know like but yeah the wording is just kind of right yeah. it's like okay you have to be psychologically disturbed in order to access psychological services yes i can uh, go to the service get my services now because i watched 13 reasons why and yeah right <laughs> where where you're overwhelmed so you have to understand the way that it's worded there's no other terminology that the system uses but use it extended medical use it mm-hmm. use it as if you use a massage therapist use it as if Actually, you use your your uh, chiropractor use it as if you use your dental work like use it mm-hmm. it's there you paid for it already and you have it you might feel like there is absolutely nothing to talk about but I guarantee you, you sit down and you start talking, there is something to talk about. 
even if it's just to get more information. Maybe you directly don't need it, but let's say your kid needs something, but they're refusing to go counseling. Your best friend needs something, they don't have benefits, and you want to get information. Well, guess what the counselor will do? Counselor will give you that information. Uh, do you see that there's anything that's missing or that people could benefit, like if only, if only they knew or... If only, if only our government would allow counseling services to be covered under medical services. Oh, wow. If only that could happen. Mm-hmm. Because right now, they're, they're pumping up acute services. But do you know what? If you get a referral for a psychologist from a medical doctor, the wait time is between three to six months right now. And that's pretty long, right? For anybody who's dealing with depression and anxiety, they that's... can tell you and contest that that is a very, very long time a to year. get a psychologist mm-hmm. to see you. But guess what? Psychologists with a doctor's referral can be free because oh, okay. you're using the public service, not the private sector, right? Yeah. And you have to wait. Or if you need medication. A lot of times we go to family doctors and we get prescribed medication to help with the symptoms. But you don't have a diagnosis. Well, why? Why don't you? Well, you don't because they're not a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. Well, how long to get a psychiatrist? A psychiatrist is even longer. It's a more than six months wait to get in line for a psychiatrist. Well, how do you get one fast? You better have a mental breakdown as they describe it, be completely overwhelmed, taken into the hospital, and you get to see a psychiatrist right away. So it takes a lot to get to that point. Right? Well, we hope to not get to that point, right? True, yes, prevention. Our work, what we do is try to prevent that moment when you Mm -hmm. have to be carried in a stretcher into the hospital in order to get help. So let's say you don't have benefits, you really are in need of counseling, and you can't afford our rate ask. Some counselors do have a sliding scale where they can say, you know, given your circumstances, maybe I can give you some kind of a leeway, discount, or a reduced rate, something like that. Mm -hmm. Ask them. I'm a part of a bunch of different therapist groups, and when a therapist gets asked that question, and they cannot go below their sliding scale because of their overhead and that family that they have to feed, they reach out to the network and they go, who can offer this person services? This is the range that they can pay. Is somebody willing to take this on? Mm-hmm. The network goes out and there is a response, always. I think that's really great that there is that option. Human, people in our helping profession, we are not out to make money. If we're out to make money, we're in the wrong profession. So. <laughs> We are not here to make money. We're here to direct people to the right resources to get the help. There's people that do pro bono work sometimes. They have a few slots in their schedule that that's their way of giving back to the community and they do pro bono work. Mm -hmm. There's some people that do slide very far down that scale that they would take you in for a minimum rate. I can tell you, I have clients that email me. They never become my client. They ask me questions, and I'm more than happy to answer them and give them information. And if we are a good fit, we work together. And if not, I always tell them, do you want me to find someone for you? Do you want me to find someone that's more tailored to what it is that you're looking for? Mm -hmm. I make referrals all the time, and I give names all the time. I just did that this afternoon. 
Yeah, so speaking on that note, I was just going to wrap us up really quickly now with one last thing that would be very beneficial if you can touch up on. Um, but thank you so much for all that wisdom and how we can actually access all these resources and what we actually have at our fingertips that we actually don't really know about. And also taking away all that stigma of, you know, mental health, who is it for, and just not attaching that to the person is very important. So my last couple of questions is, is there even a connection with nutrition and how does that help in terms of mental health? And yeah, is there actually a connection with mental health and nutrition? <laughs> there is a connection. <laughs> there is a four-page document <laughs> out there. Um, if anyone is interested in looking it up, the document now, I downloaded it, so I don't know if it's still up there. But cool. it's Mental Health Foundation is a, a UK organization. And I can share this with uh, Danielle yeah. later on. and then I'll maybe, leave a link uh, for them to download. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you so that you there is. But there is a lot. Um, nutrition. So I'm just going to go through a few things in here that's very common. So for example, anxiety. Well, your diet might be lacking folic acid or magnesium. Mm -hmm. Depression. Your diet might be missing vitamin B3, B6, vitamin C, folic acid, magnesium, selenium, zinc, omega-3, uh, fatty acids, tryptophan, tyrosine, and GABA. Stress. Stress is vitamin B6, vitamin B3, magnesium. <laughs> Insomnia. Magnesium. Blank mind. Zinc. Irritability. Vitamin B6, magnesium, selenium. What I do notice is that when my clients are going for their hikes, when my clients is enjoying nature, when my clients are actually taking that moment to drive into interior BC, mm -hmm. going on the grouse grind, like they are actually faring better. That's really valuable to know because it is, like you say, it's everything, it's all connected. So, you know, looking after your health and how you eat and even your exercise and keeping active, it all adds up, especially the outdoors. Because nowadays we don't really explore outdoors as much as we used to. I still remember growing up, it's always been more outdoorsy. And now I look at the kids around me and they all play indoors. So life- I know, right? <laughs> yeah, so there's been so much changes. So one last question I want to ask you to just wrap things up is that what does health and freedom actually mean to you in your very own definition of how you perceive that? Well, it's funny you ask that <laughs> because I think my answer will be very different two years ago than the current now mm. because of the health challenges I went through myself. Mm. Um, so a lot of clients I may disclose because it helps them move and for many clients I don't disclose because they can't tell the difference mm. so with my own health challenges I would say health if you have it you can do a lot of things that money cannot even calculate mm. when I was recovering from my health challenge what I realized was movement was a challenge Walking was a challenge. Mm. And so to even retrain my body to get the competency, the capacity to move was challenging. 
I look around and those that are also going through health challenges and I compare. And I realize that my capacity to recover at a faster rate was because I have been keeping healthy. The minimal, of course, like everybody does, you know. Oh, yeah, I can squeeze in 30 minutes for a walk. Let's <laughs> do that. I'll squeeze in a stretch while I'm watching TV. Let's do that. Oh, I'm watching Netflix. Well, instead of sitting on the couch, I'm on an exercise ball. I'm doing <laughs> some yoga stretches while I'm doing it. Like, we're fitted in however we can. But that really helped the body in terms of muscle memory to remember, hey, I can move this way to really promote that recovery. So I would say two years and I'm still recovering. Two years, I'm still struggling at times dealing with the normal side effects of medication, side effects of recovery, Mm -hmm. that it limits me to doing a lot of things I want to do, that I would like to do, that I would like to return to do. Not because I don't have the drive, but because my body is telling me I think I'd rather you sleep. So, health and freedom, in order to have that freedom, you have to be able to at least tell your own being, your body, your being, that you're capable. And you have to keep that going. So, two years later, I would say, yeah, health is number one in everyone's priority. Yes, we look at our finances. Yes, we look at, do we have food on the table? Yes, we look at, do we have a roof over our head? You can keep that structure going. But what's living in that space? And how long is that thing going to live in that space for? Hmm. And I describe it as a thing. Because do you recognize if you're human anymore? Or are you really just that thing that's bringing in the money? Oh, yeah. Right? Which is a lot of people's struggles right now. Yeah. So the question is, are you reaching out and getting the support that maybe, just maybe, to change that thing to human again? Mm -hmm. So that, yes, you're struggling. Yes, you're fighting. Yes, you're creating this home. But in this home, there's an actual human being there that can still relate that can still let life touch them, that can still enjoy, or that thing, that you come home and there's nothing. Mm-hmm. So, something to ponder about. It's not just the physical health, but also the mental health, which yes. is why there's awareness. And so I invite dialogue, and I really hope that this podcast will bring that dialogue. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Ernest, so much for shedding your the light on this topic because it's not easy to talk about. And I know that it's always about us taking the first step to make it into a dialogue so that it is something that people can talk about more freely versus, um, you know, just feeling shamed about the topic of mental health or feeling like, like feeling like they have to hide their pills and I know that uh, you do a lot of great work and you're very passionate about it 
and I really value <laughs> really value you sharing everything with us today and with our listeners. Just really thank you guys for listening in on this podcast. And um, if you guys have ever have any questions about mental health or if you guys want to get in touch with Ernest, you can easily access his website. It is at www.willfulminds.ca or you can search Willful Minds on Facebook. If you ever have a question, Ernest is very much available and will be very open to answer any questions that you guys may have. So uh, thank you guys for listening and thank you, Ernest, for being bold and brave to be on this podcast. So thank you so much. Thank you.